You are listening to Keep Canada Weird, a weekly weird news roundup by the Nighttime Podcast. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to the weekly Keep Canada Weird discussion series. If you're new here in Keep Canada Weird, my pal handsome Aaron Airport and I seek out and explore some of the more offbeat Canadian news stories from the past week. In tonight's episode, which we recorded during the afternoon of August 4th, 2022, Aaron and I sort through the fallout from a recent Trudeau visit to PEI. We investigate a drunk, hungry cop. We investigate a wet cop and we lose our minds over the proposed settlement related to a class action against Tim Hortons. So let's get to it. Handsome Aaron Airport. Instead of drinking Diet Pepsi during our recording sessions at night like I usually do, I'm having a coffee because we're doing this midday. We are, (laughs) yeah. I'm not drinking anything. I've got a little uh, basket of uh, cut up fruit here. Mm. Oh, that looks fantastic. Um, we're able to do a midday recording session because you're on vacation. I'm on vacation. What do you got planned? Anything? Uh, well, a lot of my plans have already happened. You know, I was working on some shows and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I know. Just hanging out. Just, you know, there's a lot of friends in town. Uh, going to be going around the islands, swimming. Hiking, this kind of staycation kind of stuff. Cool. That sounds fantastic. I've been in New Brunswick. Yeah, that's right. I went, to, I don't know when I went. I went like five days ago, I think. I stayed for maybe three or four days at an Airbnb. So I got to do the whole like, rain, uh, not Rainbow Valley, uh, Magic Mountain, which is like the theme park with water slides. Yeah, I remember being there when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, so I did that, had a great time. Uh, only issue was um, the internet at my Airbnb wasn't great. So that kind of wreaked havoc in my uh, social life. But um, one thing about you said, you said you're at Magic Mountain when you were a kid. Uh, maybe you wouldn't have noticed this when you were a kid. But you know how like in the center of Magic Mountain's water park, there's a big wave pool. That's kind of like the highlight of the water park. There's water slides, a lazy river. But in the section, there's a in the center, there's a massive section that's like a big pool um where a machine like generates waves and everyone goes in there you know what i'm mm-hmm. talking about right i don't remember it being a wave pool when i was there okay well um, it was there you just may not remember but the yeah. point of my story isn't so much about the wave pool but i'm just kind of setting the scene that for in the center of the park is kind of the main attraction that everyone is is rallying around so there's children and adults in bathing suits running every which way there's a pizza shop right at the basically the the shore of the wave pool that was probably mm-hmm. there when you were a kid but you may not have realized the name of the pizza shop in the middle of a children's water park is uncle peaky's pizza oh, okay uncle peaky do you think that's weird to have i think it's um provocative yeah it, like it, it just i i couldn't imagine well i can but i can only think of like a handful of more like suggestive mm. names like uncle touchy or like yeah, uncle grabby mr diddler but just to have mr uncle, diddler yeah. having like uncle peaky at a children's water park it's did no one think like oh, maybe we should go with a different name at the water park well maybe whoever this uh mr peaky is is such a respected and valued member of the community that the people there who live in and around magic mountain just simply cannot register that name as inappropriate because they love mr peaky so much yeah uh, i will tell you they may love him but i've tried his pizza and it's crap um so if anyone listening goes to magic mountain i would just stay away from mr peaky for a bunch of reasons mm. um, one is his pizza is just not great and the other is uh, potential peakiness. It's just, yeah, like uh, I'm not one to judge a book by its cover, but I am one to judge a book by its name. And uh, Mr. Peaky at the children's pool it just doesn't seem like the kind of place I want to hang around. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can understand that. Yeah. But, the, but that's not what we're here for. We have a mandate. Once a week, we're required by the Canadian mm-hmm. government to keep Canada weird. And, we're, and they suggest we do so by finding and highlighting a collection of weird, offbeat, and unusual Canadian stories. And boy, are we going to deliver this week. I have a bunch. Uh, You've had a chance to 
peruse them. Uh, we have to yes. think we usually don't realize there is a theme until we actually get started. So you can tell me if there's a theme, but we have a story about Pierre or not Pierre, Justin Trudeau <laughs> in you PEI. Wish. Yes, we have Justin Trudeau in PEI. We have a drunk and hungry cop. We have a wet cop. And we have Tim Horton's gentle wrist slap. Uh, mm. What is the theme other than there's two cop stories, but other than that, is this just a uh, smorgasbord of Canadian weird? I think we'll have to decide at the end of the show what the theme was. Mm. Well, let's jump in it then. Where do you th where should we start this? Um, well, we could start. Should we start with Tim's on this episode? No, we should always... we start with the dr the drunk uh, cop? We always go out with Tim's. Um, mm -hmm. Let's start with Trudeau and PEI. Okay. So that like the the one you didn't suggest. Yeah, whatever I say, just pick the opposite and we'll go no, with that. That's did, always going to work out for the best. As we were just talking it out there, I kind of have a vision now of, of what this theme might end up being. So let's go with Justin Trudeau's visit to mm -hmm. Prince Edward Island and kind of the, I guess, the aftermath of what yeah. came from it. In, in this, I guess I'll preface this story by saying uh, I've often been told that there are a few things you should keep private. One is your private parts. One is your, your private parts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> one is your religion and the other one is your politics. Those are three mm. things that you should never show off in public. Has uh, anyone communicated communicated those rules to Mr. Peaky? I don't know. Uh, but I do I also don't believe that anyone communicated those rules with Jared Murphy, who is the co-owner co and the CEO of Lone Oak Brewing Company in Prince Edward Island. So let me set the scene here. So Justin Trudeau and his team of delegates uh, are all going to Prince Edward Island to, I don't know what they're going to do other than photo ops, which is, it seems what like these kind of people do is get their pictures taken places. But what they decided to do was Justin Trudeau and his team wanted to visit a small kind of independent uh, craft brewery slash pub. Uh, mm -hmm. Jared Murphy, who I mentioned, the owner and CEO of Lone Oak Brewing Company, opened the doors of the Lone Oak Brewing Company and was proud to have Justin Trudeau and his team visit and use their establishment. However, they broke the cardinal rule. Don't show your politics publicly. Uh, for better or worse, I think they ended up paying quite a price for the visit. The best way to tell you this story is uh, reading through some of the CBC article here. So I'm going to jump right into it. Mm-hmm. Headline being PEI pub pulls Trudeau's photos after a barrage of hate-filled comments. A PEI pub has pulled photos of Prime Minister Justin Trudeau from its social media accounts after getting a barrage of hate-filled comments and phone calls. Trudeau had lunch at Lone Oak's Charlottetown pub during a brief stop on the island last week. While at the pub, owners, staff, and customers had their photos taken with the Prime Minister and the pub later posted some of these photos to its social media platforms. Jared Murphy, the co-owner and CEO of Lone Oak Brewing Company, said they were excited to host the Prime Minister at the pub, which only opened for business this past May. Three of PEI's four Liberal MPs, including Charlottetown MP Sean Casey, Malpec MP Heath McDonald, and Cardigan MP Lawrence McCauley were also at the pub and appeared in some of the photos with the Prime Minister. So within a few hours, we had thousands of comments. We were getting hundreds of private messages, and we're now getting phone calls to the brewery, and all of these comments are extremely negative and vulgar. There's a lot of profanity being used, and they're even sexualizing our staff, Murphy said in an interview outside the pub. To see a group of individuals who have never even visited our establishment, who are taking a political stance to make threats against our brewery, to say that they're going to take us down, that they are going to wait until we declare bankruptcy until they finish with us, that was really hard for us and our staff to see. In addition to social media comments, private messages and phone calls, uh, photos of Lone Oak's three owners have all appeared on national websites calling out perceived Trudeau supporters. Casey described the campaign against Lone Oaks as extremely unfortunate, and he said he reached out to the Prime Minister's office and, told, and was told that this has happened in other parts of Canada, but this is the first time it's happened in Atlantic Canada. 
So I'm going to wrap the story, uh, reading of this story mm-hmm. there, but I, but I will add that there was an, an update, I think a day or so later, where oh, okay. where um, some of the the businesses' vans, like uh, they had a couple like, you know, vans or whatever with their Oh, right, yeah, they got smashed. Again. They were vandalized. So it's, it's still continuing after that article was pu- published. But I, I hate to say it, it, that it doesn't necessarily surprise me. You surprised it kind of surprises me a little bit. Like, because... Prime ministers make these kind of tours and and stops all the time. Mm -hmm. And it's not really, to me, like a political statement for the business owner. Like it's it's the prime minister of Canada. It's not like, you know, if somebody were to be up and coming, kind of maybe politician of some kind, maybe with uh, and you're directly trying to give them support, maybe in an election time, you know, I could see that being more of a political statement than just the sitting prime minister visiting your business, you know, and taking photos with them. And like, I see that all the time. It's, you know, like Justin Trudeau was, was here in Cape Breton, you know, not long ago around the same time that he was making this trip. And I saw lots of people posting pictures of them with him. You know, he was at the university, he was at some other places around the Island. Mm -hmm. Um, and I didn't see a big deal being made at all about it. Yeah, I, I can. I agree with with you. Like, um, I don't think it's a big deal, and I don't necessarily believe it's like it's a political statement that the the store had him in and put the photos up on social media. But I also don't think the people who would do this like kind of organized attack against the business are logical thinkers and it's probably no, a bit it's... of a game mentality what what happened in halifax this kind of reminds me of something that went on in halifax when the pandemic was like at its worst and we had like the all the mandates about masks and everything there was a small coffee shop it's like an independent coffee shop downtown halifax i can't think of the name of the business but anyway it's not like a big chain like starbucks it's some small like kind of mom pa coffee shop but they um they wouldn't let someone in the store without a mask on because you know it was the mandate at the time they would have got a fine or whatever but this person ended up being kind of like an influencer in the you know the anti-masker kind of movement um Mm -hmm. so it led to this kind of attack against this specific small independent business where I think it went on for like eight weeks, maybe even longer, where every weekend night, a huge group of these kind of anti-mask protesters would gather outside of the business and kind of try to like, I guess, maybe just um, intimidate customers going in and just like, I don't know, they were basically they were taking down this business. And and it was all a result of the business just doing what it had to do. So it wasn't logical. It was just this kind of I see it as like a bit of a mob mentality thing happening. Mm-hmm. And I bet you there's some dark place on the internet that the CBC journalists didn't find where there's in a, you know, a message board or someone or somewhere, someone is saying like, you know, we should write a ton of messages. Let's take down their social media and write bad reviews uh, about this Lone Oaks brewery. So it doesn't surprise me, really. It doesn't. Yeah, I guess it doesn't surprise me completely, but I, I, I don't know why the visit to this particular business, this pub, mm-hmm. you know, this brewery, whatever it was, why that elicited so much response and all of the other stops along the way didn't. Like, yeah. What's the difference here? Well, I bet you what the difference is here is just the matter of, remember I mentioned this kind of uh, imaginary message board where someone's like, look at this, let's write a bunch of bad reviews for them. I bet you it's just a matter of, it was a a slow day and a bunch of people were on some message board and someone got the idea to just, you know, start flooding them with messages or maybe someone shared like the photo of Trudeau with this business owner and, you know, and people just kind of jumped on and next thing you knew everyone in that group or message board or whatever was just going to their social media profiles for this business and attacking them. And then once it's in the news, you know, it's, it's then they're getting some, you know, some oxygen. So it just yeah. raises it even higher. So yeah, I, think, I guess it's snowballed from there. But I think that's that's all it is. But I get it. But just think uh, also think a few years back if some business had just to put it to switch the sides or whatever. Imagine, you know, four years ago or whenever that was, if some business had uh, Trump in uh, Trump came and ate, you know, at this restaurant and then that restaurant put photos on their instagram of trump eating there 
there would be a ton of people who'd be like, how dare you? You know, so it's just Trump is a bit of a different animal, though, altogether. Um, like, I know a lot of people feel the same way about Trudeau that 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 people feel about Trump. But I don't know. Trump is in his own league, though, in terms of um, yeah. how polarizing he is. I get it. But but I'm... I remember when Harper was here on the island one time when he was prime minister and I remember him visiting lots of places and nobody really put up a fuss at all. Nobody cared. You know, I remember going to the fudge shop and trying local fudge and, you know, people getting photos with them and, mm-hmm. you know, um, I, I th- prime minister. I think the climate, though, like even since Stephen Harper was our prime minister, I think the climate has changed so much. And people who are against the government are it's like just. I think a lot of them, even in Canada and other parts of the world, have taken influence from the way it was all handled in the United States with Trump. Yeah, it's it's again goes back to how inflamed media and social media make things. Yeah, like it's it's really the ultimate problem here and why people get so upset is that they're able to to rile each other up, you know, and, and make something into a bigger deal than it would normally have been like this was 20 years ago like never in your wildest dreams would anybody care about a sitting prime minister visiting a local business on their trip to that province in the business using it for publicity by of course that's why you'd want the prime minister to visit you to get publicity for your for your business so you can make money it's Mm -hmm. just the normal way things are done Mm -hmm. but like social media like and message boards and just you know the, the access to other people that we have that just send each other into into a tornado of just negativity and, and, and hate and it spirals out of control to the point where it's blown into this bigger deal than it ever would have normally been. Um, well, I think supporters of Trudeau and supporters of this business uh, have been rallying around Lone Oaks Brew Brew Pub or whatever the name of it is. So I think in the end they're going to end up probably breaking even. But it's a uh, man, what a mess! I'm I'm glad I'm a province away from that. Uh, let's move away from this uh, politically charged discussion though and get with something. Get into something more um, uh, more easy for the listeners to enjoy, which is something like a drunk, hungry police officer. Want to get into that? Yeah, let's get into that. So this is a two-parter. I'm going to make this a Keep Canada, or I'm going to have this two-part story about cops be a crime in Canada, both because there's crimes taking place and because they involve uh, law enforcement. Yeah. This week in Crime in Canada. This is certainly a Keep Canada weird one. If only it took place at a Tim Hortons rather than a Burger King, though. That's where we prefer most of our stories to happen. Yeah, but we'll we'll take Burger King every once in a while, um, especially if it involves a drunk, hungry cop. Aaron, did you know that an RCMP officer that was found passed out in a Burger King drive-thru after driving drunk in a police vehicle was disciplined recently? I knew as of uh, an hour ago. <laughs> well... If you hadn't have known, I would explain it to you right now. What had happened is a BC Mountie who drove his vehicle drunk, crashing it before being found passed out behind the wheel in a Burger King drive-thru where he later resisted arrest, will not lose his job. The RCMP conduct board decision was posted online this week detailing the events that unfolded in April of 2020 and the consequences imposed. In deciding not to terminate the officer, the board noted that he was suffering from undiagnosed and untreated alcohol use disorder and post-traumatic stress disorder at the time. Constable Blaze Pickett's, who is a police dog handler, was allowed to take his vehicle and canine colleague home with him. The disciplinary decision says this is a privilege that he abused, particularly since the dog, along with his police-issued weapon and ammunition, were in in the car with him when he drove drunk on his day off. The decision says Pickett's started drinking at a colleague's home around 1 p.m. after several officers and their dogs finished up some training exercises. While there, Pickett's made one additional trip to the liquor store in his police SUV around 4 p.m. and resumed drinking upon his return. He didn't leave the colleague's home until 2 a.m., driving roughly 25 kilometers to Maple Ridge. 
While crossing the Golden Ears Bridge, Constable Pickett's scraped his police vehicle on the concrete barrier on the side of the road, causing approximately $7,000 in damage to the rear and passenger side of the vehicle. Pickett's deliberate choice to drive drunk was highlighted as an aggravating factor by the conduct board. When he made the decision to consume alcohol, he did so knowing that he was driving his police vehicle, which contained his police service dog and his carbine rifle. He had the option of staying at the house where he was drinking, but he chose to drive home, the decision says. Once in Maple Ridge, Pickett's parked in the drive-thru of a Burger King. An employee saw him unconscious and tried to wake him for 20 minutes before getting scared and calling 911. When officers arrived, they found the vehicle's engine running, Pickett's passed out with a credit card in his hand and an open container of alcohol on the floor of the vehicle. The fact that the vehicle was marked and that there was a carbine and other police equipment visible meant that the responding officer's risk assessment was high as he was unsure if he was dealing with a police officer who may be armed or someone who had stolen a police vehicle. Once aroused, Pickett's refused to give a breath sample by biting the straw, turning his head away, and not blowing hard enough. At that point, the responding officers tried to arrest Pickett's, but he was verbally abusive and failed to comply with the officer's directions, and physically resisted arrest by being assaultive. Assaultative. Assaultive? I don't even, I don't know that word. Um, <laughs> this included sitting on his hand so he could not be cuffed, lifting his knee quickly in the direction of the officer's groin, and injuring the thumb of another officer when grabbing for handcuffs. The situation was so volatile, the board said, that backup had to be called. His behavior was disrespectful, uncooperative, and combative while resisting arrest, and his actions caused minor injuries to two resulting officers, arresting officers. Pickett's was later charged and pled guilty to resisting arrest. He was fined $1,000 and placed on three months of probation. Pickett's was fined the equivalent of 30 days pay, made to forfeit 15 vacation days, 15 vacation days, transferred out of the canine unit, and made ineligible for promotion for three years. And he also had to undergo medical treatment, which will be monitored. So I'll wrap it there because it goes on a bit mm, more about it, but I yeah. think... Uh, the article is a bit wordy, but it really paints the picture of a cop in his vehicle, gets drunk, passes out at Burger King. When they try to come question, arrest him, or take his alcohol, you know, do the breathalyzer, he puts up a fight. And in the end, it's like he doesn't, nothing even really happens to him. He loses two weeks of vacation. 30 days. Yeah, of pay. and a fine of 30 equivalent days. of 30 days of pay. Yeah, so a couple thousand, yeah. But I think overall, like if I, any job I've ever had, if I've done something like that, I don't know. I think I get worse. Yeah, yeah, I guess it depends. Um, I mean, it sounds like a light, it sounds light, you know, the the, <laughs> the punishment for sure. Um, I mean, it's it's, I guess it's hard for us being on the outside looking in probably not having all the details but um at first glance yeah it looks it looks like a light punishment for this person you would just think like a, D, a dui if you get it like i wonder if he was charged with driving under the influence because that would be a bigger punishment than what happened to him because like, i think if you get drunk driving you lose your license for like a year and you get you know a couple thousand I'm not dollars yeah i'm not sure the stages of it i'm not sure if it's like the first time is like you know whatever i don't know yeah. i don't know how that works but i guess as a cop if he lost his driver's license for a year that would probably prevent him even from being able to do his job um, well yeah yeah it would and then so if he's going to continue to be a police officer yeah he would have to be able to drive but and then they took him out of the canine unit i don't know what that means but i like what he would end up with but i wonder if that you know you, there's this kind of cliche that the cops that are you know directing traffic or you know filling in for a broken street light are the cops who like did something like dirty hairy style crazy like the real heroes i wonder if they're going to have him you know put him in a role like that like if he just kind of gets to the bottom of the ladder doing the grunt work as a result of this yeah, he's probably not going to be working in the capacity that he wants to. You know, I would assume the canine unit, there's benefits to being in there. I think he's allowed to, to, to keep the dog, take the dog home and things like that, too. So it, that's why he had access to the van and stuff when he did this. He was on like off duty, but was driving the van, which uh, 
that's kind of weird anyway, in and of itself. Yeah, the article said that they're, you know, he's allowed to take the van and the dog home. So it almost becomes like if you're working in the canine unit for an extended period of time, like that just becomes your car and, and your, your dog. Pet. Yeah, and your pet. <laughs> so yeah. so that would suck, you know, having your pet, essentially what's your pet taken away from you? Mm. Um, you know, probably what he uses as his regular vehicle. Um, so, I mean, I guess there's that stuff, but it's still, yeah, in terms of the, the punishment, it still seems from the outside looking in anyway, it seems like a light punishment. It seems. And like you said a few times, we don't know the whole story. This article seems to be written by a journalist who probably just got access to the kind of the disciplinary documents, like a FOIA pop request or something. And they did an article about it because there's not really any interviews with anybody throughout the article, but no. Um, either way, it's just awful to hear, uh, something like this going on with, well, someone. yeah, especially the, a police officer resisting arrest is a yeah, very bizarre thing to hear about. Uh, and so drunk that he doesn't even remember it. Like, I guess mm. there's something to like, there's a part of this to think about, about like addiction and mental health. Well, that's the that. thing that like, you know, them having all of the details could mean that they're aware of the problem here and they're hoping that this response instead of you know firing someone or you know sending them into another tailspin like maybe maybe this is a way to get and that's what i hope is that this is a way to get this individual the help they need Mm. and so that their life doesn't continue to spiral more out of control yeah, they did. And, they said one of the things he had to do was get medical treatment that would be monitored. And I'm guessing mm-hmm. the medical treatment has to do with addiction services. Yeah, I assume it's a rehab type situation, and and hopefully this is what does it because it's you know it is a disease and it's something that just flat out firing somebody is not the answer because it's not going to get to the root of the issue and. You know, it's, but you have to punish them in some way. You can't go unpunished for, for things Hmm. like Uh, this. I just want to end it with one last thing that he did, uh, which is kind of a bad thing to say after your kind of thoughtful and considerate statement there is uh, when they eventually did arrest him and bring him back to the police station, the article goes on to say that while at the Maple Ridge police station, pickets continued to be uncooperative. Uncooperative. Mm-hmm. The booking video shows that when Constable Pickett's was being photographed in cells, he put his head down and put up his middle finger to the camera. <laughs> he was eventually released after sobering up. Yeah, yeah. Ay, ay, ay. I mean, I've given the middle finger before when I was drunk. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so let's let's just say that. Okay. Let's. All right. You're no better than him then. Thanks. Um, Let's move on to the next one. So that was our, our drunk, hungry cop. Let's move on to this wet cop. In this case, the cop is not the one accused of wrongdoing. They're uh, the they're on the receiving end of an assault, but probably not the kind of assault you would you would think. Uh, this involves a man dousing the Winnipeg police chief with a pitcher of water at a folklorama event this past weekend. Um, and we'll get into a discussion here about what constitutes assault, but let me just read this. Mm-hmm. A man is facing a criminal record after allegedly pouring a pitcher of water on Chief Danny Smith of the Winnipeg Police Service at a folklorama event on the weekend. Smith was representing police at a community event at a pavilion when the incident took place. Constable Chad Chauncey of the Public Information Office wrote in an email on Tuesday. An officer with the duty office had said that the police chief had water poured on him at the Japanese pavilion, but Chansey wouldn't provide additional details. Neither officer would say when the incident took place, but the ethnocultural festival began on Winnipeg, in Winnipeg on Sunday. Chansey said the accused, a 22-year-old, has been charged with assaulting a police officer and was released on an undertaking. He wouldn't provide any additional information as the case is presently before the courts. So we know very little about what happened with the exception of at this folklorama event, a 22-year-old allegedly dumped a 
a pitcher of water over the police chief's head as a result is being charged with assaulting a peace officer. I've heard of spitting at someone being, Mm -hmm. you know, justifying an assault charge. But like if I threw a cup of water in your face, would that be an assault? No, I don't think so. A pitcher of water overhead would be. Is there ice in it? Oh, that's an interesting point. There must have been ice in this picture. Is that what you're saying? Well, there better have been. I <laughs> um, I can't imagine. Like they, they may have charged this guy. I can't imagine those charges are going to stick. Yeah, if it's straight up water, like it's uh, who cares? Like you know, you're wet. What if it's so cold though, or super hot? I guess that's different. And if it's scalding water, then it's boiling water. Then that that's assault. What if it's freezing cold? Not well, well again. It goes back to the ice because you could get you could get a piece of ice in your eye or something. I I can see that. Yeah, or the water could be completely frozen and it would be a block of ice on your head, which is a different. And that's cracking someone in the face with ice. Yeah, so hmm. we doubt it's either of those extremes. Okay, so, um, so if let's... it's a, it's if it's from a pitcher of water sitting around at a vent, it's probably room temperature. It's probably harmless. Okay, so let's say it's lukewarm water. Let's say so. Let's talk this out. So a a, a pitcher of lukewarm water. So we're talking, you know, a liter or two of luke, well, two or three liters of lukewarm water over someone's head. Is that assault? No. So in that, if it's not assault, are you suggesting that we should be able to go around dumping pitchers of lukewarm water over people's heads? Well, we live in a society and there are some things that don't need to be written down. And but that will happen from time to time. Someone will get upset and they'll splash water in somebody's face or or whatever. Um, it's it's not going to happen all the time. People just aren't going to do it because most of us aren't going to do that. I don't think we need to worry about this setting some kind of precedent that Oh, it's okay to do that. I've been waiting for this day. I've got all these jugs of water around me, completely unpoured, that I just can't wait to dump on people's heads mm. when they least expect it. It's like no so, one's gonna do it anyway because it's stupid. Yeah, so it's it's you just think the government has no reason to regulate or get involved with legislation. No, there should be no intervention required by the government with this issue because it's not an issue. It's just you know, it's it's worthy of talking about because, you know, it's someone well known getting doused with with water. And but it's still it. it's you know, I don't think anybody ever thought that throwing water in someone's face was a punishable crime. Lukewarm water, because that there's a difference because, uh, you, you know, the hot water is a different story. It, it's it's kind of like the lazy version of, you know, like you put a pie of like foam or whatever into like a politician's face they've done that for ages like the politician shows mm. up at the press conference and yeah john Cretchen had that happen to him right yeah would you say that that would be assault well john Cretchen choked out or not choked out but yeah he grabbed the guy right he grabbed by the neck and like you know shook him and i don't think that's assault either like i think the reason you don't need to regulate the dumping of the pitcher of water is because if you dump a pitcher of water in someone's head and they turn around and punch you in the face. I don't think they've assaulted you either. They're just kind of defending themselves. So I think what you're, you're yeah, opening in the, the door. moment, they may not have known what was going on and we're, and we're trying to defend themselves. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and then if you so you dump the water on their head, that's not assault. They turn around and punch you in the face. That's still not assault. But if you punch back then it shows that you're attacking them. You dump the water in their face. You're hitting them. They punch. Yeah, yeah. Then you're charged. Now it's assault. Mm. So here's a question. So in the case of the pie, Mm -hmm. is it assault if the pie tastes bad? Hmm. Um, These are are the things we need to hash out. Well, here's the thing. If it tastes bad, is it tastes bad to you? Like you don't like lemons and it's lemon pie. You could be you... allergic to some of the ingredients. Then it's a salt. See, water is, is you know, I don't know anybody who's allergic to water because mm-hmm. we're made of it. But it, I think it we're going to get into the kind of the territory of negligence. If I put a pie in your face and it's a strawberry pie, let's say, mm-hmm. the average person enjoys strawberries. So how would I know that you have a distaste for strawberries? I well, that's, that would boil down to the court. So say... 
I guess I guess it'd be more in the circumstances of allergies. So yeah, you're say allergic. you How have a I... rhubarb pie and you hit me in the face with it. You didn't know I was allergic to rhubarb. I end up in the hospital. Then it's up. It's and and then you know, um, I want to get some type of uh, retribution for yeah. you know which would be justifiable because what you did on you know unprovoked um you know that, that i didn't consent to having a rhubarb pie in my face i'm allergic to it and you just put one in my face and i'm in the hospital now i'm probably coming after you, you know, yeah legally. but you're not legally you're not coming after me using the canadian criminal code it's still not assault but you could certainly come after me in a civil court I was negligent with the type of pie smashing your face. You sue me for all I'm worth. Yeah, yeah. If I, you know, it, it, I guess to, it'll probably all depend on how allergic one is to rhubarb. <laughs> is there levels of allergic? I don't know if anybody's allergic to rhubarb. I'm sure it probably exists. But oh, probably is. But you say how allergic? Like um, on a scale of one to 10, I'm three allergic to rhubarb. This would be an amazing court case to see that litigated. Well, that's what would be interesting is say if I'm suing you because you put the rhubarb pie in my face, then it's up to you and your legal team to prove that like, here's why, you know, we can't be sued for this because they're only whatever allergic to it. And, you know, you'd have to come up with a really creative. Uh, yeah, I could defense. get like um kind of surveillance photo of you at like the market standing right next to the rhubarb display and be like, he's mm -hmm. clearly not 10 out of 10 allergic. to this Yeah, rhubarb. my 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 uh, family uh, practitioner takes a stand <laughs> ever since he was a boy. Rhubarb yeah. would kill him. I've, I've recessed. His parents just wanted him to eat rhubarb for the vitamin C. <laughs> but here we are. I've I've studied him his whole life. Mm. Um, he is a liar, but he's also allergic to rhubarb. <laughs> All right. Well, I hope this one goes to court. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what will happen. But I would say for the guy who dumped the picture of we're assuming lukewarm water, if you do anything to like the chief of police, if you're even near the line, they're going to come after you. If he had to dump the water on mm. anyone else in the in that building's head, nothing would have happened. But he picked the one person who um, has uh, the long arm of the law behind him. Well, we just had a big talk about litigation, criminal and civil law, what's going too far, what the government should dip its toes into in terms of protecting the public interest and the public safety. Yeah. I think that brings us to our closing story here. Um, Tim Hortons recently found, our, our old friends at Tim Hortons, mm. recent, they recently found themselves <laughs> in some hot water. Uh, do you know the whole, like, well, before today, did you know the whole uh, charade about Tim Hortons breaching users' privacy with their app? Oh, I did. Yes, yeah, I think I we, was, I was, we talked about it on the show. Yeah, we touched on it. Basically, uh, the, Tim Hortons was facing a class action um, resulting from Tim Hortons mobile app violating customer privacy. So when you had the app, I think a lot of it had to do with how much information you had to input into the app and how the app was using your GPS data and like what it was tracking and you know, how much information they were going to get. Mm -hmm. But ultimately the, uh, it looks like this class action is finally reaching a settlement. And now when, when you hear, you know, class action against major Canadian company, generally your mind goes to millions and billions of dollars and, you know, a, a big rumor of a, a boatload of lawyers being involved with this class action. Um, Tim Hortons, it looks like, though, is going to come out of this squeaky clean with the exception of a bunch of coffee and donuts. I think it's like a slap in the face. A proposed payment for an alleged breach of privacy. Doesn't quite cut it for a compensation. Nobody's getting rich from this settlement. No, I don't think it really uh, adds up. 
at issue Tim Horton's mobile app, which federal and provincial privacy watchdogs say violated the law by collecting vast amounts of information from consumers between April of 2019 and October 2020. It showed that they'd been tracking my location thousands of times. Former business journalist James McLeod broke the original story when he saw how much information Tim Hortons collected on him. They were seeing every time I went to a competitor like McDonald's or A&W, and they even tracked me on vacation all the way to Morocco. A wake-up call about how companies collect data. Tim Hortons faced a class action lawsuit. Now lawyers have proposed an unusual settlement. The restaurant chain won't make a monetary payment exactly. The company announced to customers that as part of the proposed settlement agreement, eligible app users will receive a free hot beverage and a free baked good. Put another way, a coffee and a donut. There should be more. Coffee and a donut's a little too stingy. On the face of it, does that sound like a settlement? No, I don't think so. I think more has to be done, really. Uh... What's the proper price tag for your personal information? I'm sure they're using that information to make a lot more than the cost of a coffee and a donut. James McLeod doesn't think the settlement goes far enough. If we really want companies to play by the rules and respect user privacy, there needs to be serious financial penalties associated with abusing user privacy. Tim Hortons told us the settlement is not an admission of wrongdoing. So what's it going to cost? Depends how many consumers cash in. Tim Hortons said in court documents that the value of a of a hot beverage is $6.19, while a baked good is $2.39, so it's roughly $8.50 plus tax. And of course, all of this has to be approved first by a judge. That'll happen in Quebec first week in September. Alan, back to you. A coffee and a donut. Okay, thank you, Sean. <laughs> like how, how, is, how did they pitch that in a courtroom without just being laughed out of the room? I really wish I was there. Um, like you're talking about the personal data of thousands of users, probably being hundreds sent of thousands. God's hundreds of thousands. You know, being sent God knows where to be having God knows what used with it. Mm -hmm. Like, and they're just like, ah, you know, we're Tim Hortons. We'll just give them all free coffee and a donut, <laughs> and then tell them to go fly a kite at the same time. Yeah, that will sell them. It'll be a Timbit kite. Um, anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what I'm uh, thinking is they were using. I'm certainly they were using the the data for marketing purposes to make more money and find out how people were using or when they were buying coffee or where they were coming from or what competitors they were shopping with or whatever millions of data points they could use with this. Um, they were that's what the data was being used for, and I yeah. think this speaks to the settlement. If you offer Canadians a free coffee and a donut, what percentage of those Canadians are going to come in with a friend who doesn't have a free coffee and a donut and buys one or who also has kids with them and the kids get a box of Timbits? Like the idea of offering a free coffee and donut, like the markup on those products are so huge that it's basically free for Tim Hortons anyway. And as Did long as- Did you see the value they put on it? Read oh, the value. Yeah. yeah okay, first off, I want to make one point before I forget. Yeah. Uh, before we laugh at the value that they put on the coffee <laughs> and donut. So um, the app, right? Mm -hmm. Someone downloads the app in trust with Tim Hortons. Mm -hmm. um, they're going to use the app for their purchases. After a while, using the app, it's yeah, revealed. And, oh, sorry. And the app is to collect rewards. Like, you know, you buy so many. Yeah, yeah, coffee. yeah. That's the point. Mm -hmm. um, so you're using the app for a while and you find out that your, inform your personal information is being collected and it's being used for reasons that you did not agree with and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All these kind of uh, unsavory things. So Tim Hortons goes to court and they decide to settle and they're going to say, okay, you're going to get a free coffee and a free donut and then you're going to shut up. But you got to use the app to claim it. <laughs> so get our app. So get our app mm -hmm. so we can keep tracking your data. Okay. It, <laughs> like, you like just... That's the thing that's the most insulting part about this is that the problem was the app. So the solution is a free coffee and a donut, but you've got to use the app to get it. Mm -hmm. so, so now what about all those people that like found out that Tim Hortons was tracking their data through this app 
deleted it, and then now they can't get a free coffee and donut. <laughs> um, you, you mentioned earlier the value they assigned. So in their settlement, Tim Hortons, when they offered the hot beverage and the free baked good uh, to all affected customers, they gave um, a value of these. Do you have them at your fingertips there? No, no. Okay. I thought maybe you had the article. Uh, I just shut it down. But the, the, the value is something like, I think they said like- oh, I'm going to pull it up right now. It won't take me long. I'm just pulling the article up right now on my phone. According to court documents, Tim Horton says the retail value of a free hot beverage is $6 a night. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I don't know why this this strikes me as hilarious, but it just is. Well, because it just According speaks to, to how court, foolish and greedy they are. I know, I know. According to court documents, Tim Horton says the retail value of a free hot beverage is $6.19. They got their data from Starbucks, apparently. I don't remember ever paying well, almost $7 for her coffee at Tim well, Hortons. Well, they must have picked the largest size of their most expensive drink. Yeah, exactly, to make the retail and, value. And I wonder to spike the value if they're like also like adding flavor shots, which yeah, are like yeah, 50 yeah. cents extra. Yeah, everything possible to get that $6.19 mark. <laughs> and then the value of a baked good is $2.39. So... That's also probably their most expensive yeah. golden-filled croissant that they could possibly find, like, you know, made from eggs of the birds of God. Like, yeah. it's just... <laughs> but even with those, and to say the retail value, that's the retail value? What does it actually cost them? You that's know what I the mean? thing that's so stupid about it. Like, it's the it... value to you, what you're paying Tim Hortons to us. This is a free thing. There is no value to us. It's free because we're getting it from you stealing our data, right? <laughs> so the the cost is the value then at that point. And the value is probably for a hot beverage, what it costs Tim Hortons is probably seven cents maybe. Mm -hmm. And the baked good are about the same. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. it's, it's insanity. This is the biggest insult mm -hmm. that I've ever seen in a settlement. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not experienced in researching settlements, but this has got to be up there in the most insulting settlement of all time. Certainly. And then on top of that, even if they offer all these people a free coffee and a donut or whatever, regardless of the value, as long as, you know, say 15% of them buy something else while they're in the store, then Tim Hortons has made a fortune, got everyone to download oh. the app again. Yeah, yeah. And still have all that data that they've probably been using for the last year or two. Oh, yeah. Tim Hortons is just like, oh, you want a settlement, do you? All right, here you go. Here's We're going to just make you buy more stuff from us. Yeah. That's your settlement. You're garbage. See you later. I hate That's, that. It's unbelievable. This company, the fact that we just roll over and take it mm -hmm. as Canadians, it's a Canadian brand. I get it. You know, it's it has a history in our country. People are used to it. They're comfortable with the product. If you want to call it that, I call it just a smorgasbord of just nonsense. But bullshit um, and lies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just see. Yeah, uh, do you see all the stuff? And, just food. See all this stuff on my hand? Yeah. Just pissed off now. <laughs> As Canadians, we roll over and take it from. You. Mm -hmm. We got to stop taking it. We got to start giving it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, seriously. Stop going to Tim Hortons. Let's say that. Come on, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's we're not stop asking going. Nice. We're not asking nice anymore. Yeah, we're telling. We're telling. Um, let's wrap it up with that. I'm upset now. Oh, I'm angry. Yeah, we ended on a real angry. That's this is the problem with ending with Tim Hortons stories. Yeah. You know, I get angry. Um, so yeah, I'm not going this week. But what are you doing? I'm not going to Tim's this week. But what are you doing? from now until our next recording. Do you got any plans? No, I'm just going to be enjoying the summer, um, getting to the beach, hanging out with friends. Do you like going to the beach? I love the beach. I hate it. What do you do there? I swim. Really? I relax in the, on, the, on the sand and I enjoy the weather. Uh, I go for a walk on the beach. Uh, it's it's my favorite spot. Wow. I don't, I don't know what's wrong with me. I cannot enjoy it. I go there and I'm bored. I'm uncomfortable. I just, I'm trying to find shade and I'm thirsty because I'm so hot and the water is like so cold and salty and 
dirty. Oh, but when you get in, it's so refreshing. Oh, like that never. first dip is tough. Like you know, ocean water. Yeah, it's tough. But once you're in, it's unbelievable. Hmm. All right. Well, someday I'll try it. Okay. I'll take you. Um, Aaron. Until next time. Until next time, Jordan. Say yes to beaches. Say no to Tim's. I want to thank you for joining Aaron and I for our Keep Canada Weird discussion. But before we part here, I want to give some thanks. First, a big thanks to Aaron for sharing an evening with me and with you, the listeners of Nighttime. A big thanks to the internet's favorite cult leader, Unicole, who supplies the intro and outro voiceovers. But the most important thanks of all goes out to every one of you listening, as without your interest and your support, Nighttime would be as pointless as it would be impossible. But with that said, keeping the show alive is and has always been an uphill battle. So if you want to help take a bit of weight off the show's back, make sure you're listening on the premium feed. And not only does the premium feed make the show possible, it'll give you more of each topic than you'll find here on the free feed, as I'm adding exclusive content regularly, and I maintain a full back catalog of episodes only on the premium feed. So for about the price of a cup of coffee, keep the show alive by going premium, at patreon.com slash nighttime podcast. And on the topic of the premium feed, let me thank some of the heroes who've subscribed this month. Christine, Chris, and Hannah, thank you for your generous support. And for anyone else out there who'd like to support the show but can't do it financially, you can give me a big hand by simply sharing this episode on social media and letting some like-minded friends know what we're doing here. If you have any story ideas, want to give feedback on the episode, or if you'd like to contribute a voice memo for Aaron and I to respond to in an upcoming episode, you can do all that and more at nighttimepodcast.com slash contact. We hope to hear from you. But until then, take care of each other, hug your loved ones tight, and let me know if you see anything weird. The Nighttime Podcast is written, hosted, and produced by Jordan Bonaparte. Copyright Jordan Bonaparte.